and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. Today's episode is such an important episode. If you work with children with autism, you simply cannot miss this episode. We are going to talk about speech development and the speech motor disorder and how that impacts children with autism developing speech. This is a very important conversation that I think we're having 30 years too late to the game. We have not acknowledged that these children have a speech motor disorder. And in doing so, we have hugely disserviced these children because they are not naturally developing speech and they need an approach that respects that these children are neurodivergent. So I'm beginning today by sharing with you five reasons why we need to call this for what it is. We have a speech motor disorder when it comes to these children with autism who are having difficulty developing speech. Only after we identify it for what is is, are we going to be able to better treat it. We need to take a neurodivergent approach to treating speech sound disorders with children with autism. Their needs are unique. They are not naturally developing speech because they have a speech motor disorder. So let's get started first on calling out the big elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is that these children have a speech motor disorder that no one is acknowledging. When we look at the statistics, they do not look good. In the last 30 years, we have not made improvements in speech outcomes for children with autism. The number remains static. 25 to 30% of children with autism do not develop functional fluent speech within their lifetimes. That number is too high and we're not showing improvements. And I would argue that we're not showing improvements because we're not treating the speech motor disorder. So before we talk about children with autism and how they develop speech differently, we're gonna talk about the speech motor disorder and five reasons why this is not just 
normal speech delays that happen with typical children. This is a speech motor disorder. And that's because there's these are major reasons in which there's a neurological and physiological difference that's inherent in the population with autism that makes developing speech very difficult. So the first reason why is physiologically. The research estimates that 80 to 90% of children with autism present with this generalized motor delay. This is in the body. They have poor postural control, poor, poor strength in the core, poor gross motor control, poor fine motor control. What's important to know is the core develops first. After the core develops, then the gross motor skills develop. And lastly, the fine motor skills of speech, of pointing, of eye contact, those are lastly to develop. So these children have a generalized motor delay in the body, which will impact speech development because the core develops first, then the gross, and lastly, the fine. The second reason we must call this for what it is, which is a speech motor disorder, is because these children, it's estimated 90% of them have auditory processing difficulties. So if you subscribe to Noam Chomsky's innate language learning model, which children innately develop language, all they need is a little bit of soil, a little bit of water, a little bit of sun, and then they're going to blossom. What you're going to find is that Noam Chomsky says they must be able to perceive language in order to produce it. The problem is that these children are not perceiving the simplest sounds of our language. And that's because these are the stop sounds, the stop consonants, and they're very fast, like a snap of the finger. So if you can't hear it, you can't say it. This is impacting the way these children are developing speech. The third reason we're looking at a speech motor disorder is that these children neurologically present with diffuse damage in the cerebellum. Now the cerebellum, one of its main jobs, and its jobs are many, it does everything under the sun really, but is speech production. So that area of the brain is presented with diffuse damage that's responsible for speech production. The reason why we're looking at a speech motor disorder is that neurologically, these children not only present with damage in the cerebellum, but they present with damage in the tracts that connects the cerebellum to the prefrontal cortex. Now, the prefrontal cortex makes a lot of the decisions of whether you're going to act, when you're going to act, how you're going to act, and whether or not you're going to stop. So these children have a lot of difficulty with initiating complex motor movements, with the motor planning, with the motor programming, with the execution and stopping the motor act. This has to do with damage on these tracks that connect the damaged cerebellum to the prefrontal cortex. I'm not mincing words here. If there's anyone who cares less about word choice and the word police, or you're going to word jail, that's me. I'm really big on freedom of speech. I want to make that clear to you. This isn't about word choice. This is about treating a child with a neurodivergent brain and a neurodivergent 
body using a neurodivergent approach. Whether you see this as simple speech delay or whether you see this as a speech motor disorder really matters because the approach is very different. And if you're using the approach that this is simply a late talking child, you're not going to get anywhere. And that's because these children are neurodivergent. They need a different approach. So the fifth area we're looking at is that children with autism present with proprioception difficulties, knowing where their bodies are and their limbs are in space. And this is particularly true when it comes to the lips and the tongue. So lip movements and tongue movements are very difficult for children with autism. So it could be non-speech activities such as sticking out your tongue or blowing a kiss very difficult for children with autism. It could also be speech movements, such as those labial sounds, pa, ba, ma, ya, wa, or it could, or F or V. So it could be either speech or non-speech movement because they don't know where their lips are and their tongue is in space because of poor proprioception, it makes speech so much more difficult than it does for the neurotypical peers. So these are the five reasons why we're talking about a speech motor disorder here, not just simple speech delay. Now, when we think about these five reasons, we can change what we do so that we can treat these children more effectively, so that we can move the needle and not say 30 years from now that 30% of the children are not going to be developing speech because we're going to do something different. So what I'm gonna share with you now is what I've discovered from my struggle. So I, every step of the way, have been researching these children. I, every step of the way, have been taking notes from these children. I, every step of the way, being in the ring, I've had my butt kicked, but I've also had success. So what I'm gonna share with you now is themes that have emerged over the years of me working in the ring with these children as a speech pathologist, but also as a researcher. So not only have I taken the qualitative notes, but I've also taken the quantitative notes and researched these children and their speech development, because this has been something that I've been obsessed with. I've been obsessed with helping these children develop speech. Yes, of course, I'm working on augmentative communication from day one, but speech matters. Speech is the most efficient form to communicate. So, and we know that the earlier, the better, if we can have these children developing speech before age five, the prognosis for them to develop speech in their lifetime is much, much greater. So I'm gonna share with you now four themes that I've learned over the years in researching and working with these children in the ring and getting my butt kicked and also on having great successes. So you can move forward and continue to innovate practice and learn from the last 20 years of my research. One thing that I've learned is that the children that have weak core, that have weak gross motor skills, that have weak proprioception in the body, these are children, sadly, that I found did not develop speech. Despite having the greatest care, despite having the private speech therapy, the private ABA therapy, and a fantastic school program, they still did not develop speech. What I'm going to say is what happens in the body happens in the mouth. And the body and developing 
core strength and motor coordination is so important. And that's why I encourage you, if you work with children with autism, to do task-oriented movement activities. Now, I'm not talking about sensory movement activities. Those are great. Task-oriented movement activities, however, are really going to give you those measurable gains and functional gains in how these children can independently use their bodies and their environments and their interactions with others. You're going to get much greater gains from taking a task-oriented movement approach, which is all that I do in my Sparkle in School membership. And there's a reason for it, because it works. And not only does it work, it treats the whole child. It improves executive function. Every child benefits from it, but the children with autism need it. The second theme that I've learned are labial sounds are highly difficult. And there's a few reasons for that. One, they're labials. So there's poor proprioception. They're at the end of the body and knowing where the lips are in space. So knowing how to move them without an anchor is difficult. The second reason why is the labial sounds are highly complex in terms of motor movement. So for instance, if you're doing the yeah or the W, you're actually moving the lips while you talk. So for instance, the yeah is e yeah. They're retracted and they protrude forward. The W is the opposite. They're protracted and then they retract. <clears throat> so these sounds that are very easy for neurotypical peers are very challenging for children with autism. Also, the F and the V sounds are very difficult. First, you tuck the lip over the teeth, then you bite down and blow. That's a complex motor act that involves the lips. The TH is another sound that's very difficult because you need to know where your tongue is in space because the lack of the proprioception. You have to stick that tongue out and then blow. So these sounds are going to be especially difficult for children with autism. What are we going to have to do with these sounds? We are going to have to say them very slowly and break them down into two sounds, yet bridging them together. We don't wanna pause because speech is an automatic type of motor activity. So you're going to, for instance, if you're doing that W sound, you're gonna to wanna to go, and you're going to slowly, slowly produce the sound. Another theme that I found with children with autism, the third theme is that auditory processing is an issue and that stop consonants are very difficult. I did a really cool study here. And what I found is that the children with autism had difficulty the word snake, but instead of saying snake, they would say sake. And the children I found without autism would say nake for cluster reduction. So what is the difference there? S is so much harder to produce. S develops between three to four years of age, but N develops between one to two years of age. So why are the children with autism not saying nake? Why are they saying sake? That's way harder because nake is a short sound. The N is a nasal stop. So when you do the end, it's like, nah. but when you say the S, it's long. So we're getting again to what we've learned before. If you can't perceive it, you can't produce it. 
So I wrote about it in my book, The Speech Sound Disorders Comprehensive Evaluation and Treatment. I found that there was actually a statistical significance that the children with autism with speech delay, they were deleting the N when they did cluster reduction, where their peers with other speech sound disorders were deleting the S and producing the N instead. So think about what are we going to do then? We are going to pick targets that don't begin with the stop sounds. We are going to pick targets instead that begin with the continuate sounds, such as the words look with the L, where the airflow is liquid. It flows over the tongue. Look. Or an S sound in the word sweep, for instance. So we're going to use these longer sounds as our first sounds because those are easier for them to perceive and therefore easier for them to produce. You're going to see this in my book, Speech Sound Disorders, Comprehensive Evaluation and Treatment. You'll see videotapes of the wonderful graduate students working with children and teaching them how to talk by holding a sound till the cows come home so the child can perceive it and join them. The next one we're going to look at is motor coordination. So when we look at motor coordination difficulties, Think about childhood apraxia of speech. What works with these children with childhood apraxia of speech who have motor coordination difficulties? Dynamic, tactile, temporal cueing. So use those strategies with the most to least prompting hierarchy. We've been highly effective using this approach. And there's a few reasons why. A, one thing that you're doing is you're going slowly so the child can perceive the sound. B, another thing that you're doing is you're using temporal cueing in which you're moving your limbs in space so the child can visually see how to produce the sound. Another thing that you're using is tactile. So a lot of our children with proprioception difficulties don't know if their lips are open or their lips are closed. When they're saying the buh sound, they can place their hand on top of their lips to feel that their lips are closed. So this is the dynamic, tactile, temporal, cueing. And another thing that's really beautiful about that approach and working with kids with autism is you take away the verbal. Because children with autism become, can become very dependent on the verbal prompt. You remove the verbal and instead you keep all of the tactile and the temporal and the slow movement so that they can become the teacher. Next thing that we're going to look at is their difficulty in initiating. So you see this in the body too. Like you can have something they really want really badly, but they can't get their body up off the chair and walk over to get it. And sometimes you just have to give them a little tap, like with the slightest bit with your finger. And that's what they need in order to get going. And we talked about that before because of the damage from the cerebellum to the prefrontal cortex, initiating motor movements is very difficult or programming or planning it. So we're going to give them the gift of time. And how are we going to give them the gift of time? We are going to slowly, so slowly 
hold those sounds. So if I'm doing the word sweep and you're going to see this in the video, you're going to see the therapist go. Then you're going to worry that the therapist is going to pass out because she's doing it so long. And then the child joins her. You're going to be like, I don't even think this child's going to join her. But he does. And he joins her. And he says it. And that is his first word. His first word is swap. And it's swap set at zero miles an hour. And it's swap with swap taking five minutes to produce. But what did that do? It gave the child times to auditorily perceive it. It gave the child with motor initiation difficulty time to join her. So what we're doing here is we are not doing your mama's therapy. We are doing a new innovative approach that respects that these children have a motor speech disorder with very real neurological and physiological differences that you can't ignore. Because if you ignore them, you're not going anywhere. You're going to learn about it in my book coming out next month, 32 Lessons That Create Lifelong Change for Children with Autism. And at the end of this chapter, there are five tips that you put into practice today. I didn't share that with the podcast because we had a lot to cover in talking about speech motor disorder. Make sure to pick up that book. The book is teeny tiny. And I made it that way on purpose because I want you in a minute or less to be able to breeze through those five tips. I want you in a minute or less to put those into practice today because today's a great day to roll up your sleeves, make the world a better place. One child at a time, you are always going to be first.